went to La Menarca yesterday and uh um and like the person who works the counter was on break or something and it was like an odd time that I went and like a guy who definitely doesn't work the counter was like being forced to work the counter for oh. a minute and he didn't speak English oh, yeah. and so I had like a really difficult time putting in so I kept tailoring my order more and more to like helping the guy get the order in. And then I saw him put the wrong amount of money in that really benefited me. <laughs> and like I wanted to communicate with him that he did that wrong, but I was like, it's already it's already been too much. Yeah, that's the patience tax. That's yeah. you get that extra money back for having to be extra patient. Yeah. Well, I wasn't like upset. I felt bad that he was in the position where he clearly was doing a job that is not his job. <laughs> well, clearly, um, clearly they don't run a tight ship at La Menarca. But uh, but anyway, hello and welcome back to the Jew Rogaine Experience. Joining me today, very special guest, friend of mine. I haven't seen him in a long time. Well, I I, I saw you the other day, but that was the first time in a long I saw time. you in a long time because he lost his mind. <laughs> uh, Jake Rush. I actually one of my one of my favorite things to do here on the podcast is bring people on who recently lost their mind. You're the second hot guy to lose their mind on really? my show. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is the thing that I've I've come to like, because I had Zach Mendez on like right okay. after he lost his mind. Um, How did he lose his mind? Uh, he just, you know, thinks he's seeing aliens and stuff, but he's oh, fine. Shit. He's fine. But uh, <laughs> that might be even worse than mine. Yeah, but you know what? There, his psychiatrist is like, yeah, it sounds like you're having a psychotic episode, but you seem to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what if he actually was hearing aliens? No, I think he was. Um, yeah, I, I believe he was. Maybe he's not crazy at all. But here's what I think it is. I think it's like like we give hot people a lot more leeway. Then, like, if I started acting crazy, people were like, Josh is acting nuts. Let's get him somewhere <laughs> quickly. But, like, hot people, girls are like, he's so interesting. He's deep. He's yeah. deep. The thing, the, like, maybe there are fucking aliens out there. <laughs> this fucking hot guy is saying it. If I was saying there are aliens, everyone's like, lock him up. <laughs> But like hot people start saying there's aliens, like maybe there are. Dude, maybe that's what needs to I happen. I believe in I believe in aliens. <laughs> maybe if Bob Lazar was a little bit hotter, more people would believe in aliens. Exactly. You know Bob Lazar? I, I am aware because I'm aware both because of of my friend who lost his mind and my other friend who's like very heavy on the anti UFO conspiracy theories. Like he's I'd say my other friend is as big of an anti-conspiracy theorist as someone who's a conspiracy theorist. So, like, theorist he hates is. Bob Lazar? He hates yeah, people he saying doesn't. that there are aliens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not that he doesn't believe there are aliens. He does. He just doesn't believe they visited us. Right. And he thinks that all, like, the things are, are either a scam or, like, he thinks people are confused about. Or, yeah, or, or bullshitting. Or, or bullshitting. Yeah. But he's very into it. He's like a huge into sci-fi. He's like a sci-fi filmmaker. But, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, but I mean, he'd love for there to be aliens. He just thinks it's all it's all bullshit. Dude, it's because Bob Lazar is not hot. It's, yeah, if Bob Lazar, if like you were Bob Lazar, people are like, maybe they're fucking, maybe they're are. fucking are aliens. They're fucking, I, could, I could believe wow. in aliens. I want to come on this podcast every day just to boost my self-esteem. <laughs> uh, no, well, you know, I want to bring down, here's something for us. So I just watched, I watched, watched your goddamn special and uh, yeah. you sent it to me early and yes. it was fucking funny. And I was like, goddamn, another fucking hot guy that's also funny. We get, we've had, we have enough of these. <laughs> we have, 
There's enough. So, but I have, I, but I did write down, I did write. So it's very funny. There are like a couple moments I genuinely laughed out loud watching it by myself in my room. I didn't tell you that yesterday on the text message. I left you in like a little bit of suspense. I was wondering like what your psychological state was of me having told you I watched it without giving you any opinion. Yeah. I figured you were not telling me because you wanted to save it for the pod. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's what I was yeah, doing. Otherwise, I would have been neurotic about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what I was doing. I did really like it a lot. Um, okay. And uh, and I and I wrote down a couple of things. So um, so oh, interesting. You told me prior to watching it when we met up the other day for the first time in a year after you had your mental break, went to a hospital for a four period, months for four months. Yeah. And then, like, what have you done since those four months? So okay, so after so I had my mental breakdown. It was almost exactly a year ago, like a year and a week ago. I mean, it it that was when I did my special, like a year and a week ago. But my um, mental breakdown started a couple weeks before that. As I told you yesterday, I, I like rewrote this whole second half of my set in like two weeks. And and you did you told me that you told me that you rewrote the whole second half of your act in two weeks. And uh, and I will say that what I did notice is there was a difference between the level of of like comfort you had with the first half material. Versus the le- not even the level of comfort. You just knew you clearly knew the first half material inside and out. Yeah. And like I could see a little bit very subtly, like just somebody who isn't as familiar with their own material for the second half as the first. But it didn't seem like crazy. Like it I didn't... thought the bits were good. Oh, I still good. like liked the jokes and like the things you had to say in them. They were still funny jokes. Good. And well written. Um, it was funky though. Maybe, but I actually, in a weird way, like in in ways, I liked parts of that more because it like it. Perhaps your insanity has driven you to a place of writing humor that's about stuff that's maybe more unique than a lot of comics do. You even make a joke at one point in the special about something like dating's hard. Like you like make yeah. a joke. You make a joke I make about fun of comedians. You make a joke about not making jokes about things like dating is hard. Right. And and right. that's actually what what's sort of really interesting about the second half material is it's a lot of stuff I feel like I've like me, like a bit about mirrors. Yeah, that's the part where you told me. I think you told me that's the part where like that's it where it starts. Shifts. Yeah, yeah. But that was also a funny bit. Good. <laughs> that, you have no idea how much I love to hear that. Um, I was self conscious about it. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, like I said, like I was saying to you the other day, you were going through a manic episode. Van Gogh painted some of his greatest works of art during the period where he was manic. Right. So maybe you know, I think a lot of people have like manic creative spurts. Um, yeah, I think I did. I had a, a major. I, I think that that second half would have been better if I had had more time to re- make it as refined and rehearsed. That's as the word I was looking half. for. The first half felt a little bit more refined and rehearsed. The second half was like maybe like uh, like I'd say a draft away from being as solid as the first half. Well, that's good. Um, as but as not but ne- but never bad. Uh, okay, so like a couple of things. First off, um. Just something I always say about about how the, you, you talk about being slightly on the spectrum, right? Like, like what level of on the spectrum are you? I'm um, pretty much. It's well, it's hard to say. I the answer I always used to say, and what therapists always told me is that I was had it just as barely as as you could have it and still get diagnosed. Okay, as barely that's, as you could have it and still be diagnosed. But I think that um, that's when it. So autism affects social skills. That's what it's most famous for. Mm-hmm. 
and in that area, I think I have it as little as possible. Sometimes I'm it's awkward. Most famous for some, affecting social skills and uh, and, see, some, like the, some and the Claire de Lune. <laughs> Did the guy who wrote Claire de Lune? I don't know, probably. He, probably, yeah. I know Beethoven <laughs> Any, and Mozart. Anyone, I think they were writing, all anyone, on the anyone spending the time it takes to write classical music is fucking autistic. They, as had far nothing, as they had, didn't have porn back then. That's yeah, why the yeah, music yeah. was so good. <laughs> um, um, but uh, then there's another part. So some people on the spectrum are like hyper organized. Mm-hmm. Like everything is like a labeled shelf, yada, 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 super clean. And then other people have the exact opposite effect where it's called do you, have you ever heard the term executive function uh like executive functioning skills it's basically like your ability to stay organized your ability to not lose things your ability to show up to places on time you basically your ability to be like a functional adult it's like it, it covers a lot of things mm-hmm. um but uh in that area i'm actually not that high functioning i'm oh, pretty fucking retarded <laughs> interesting interesting yeah. watch your watch your language well i can say show. retarded because i'm oh, on the you are retarded spectrum. yeah exactly uh, <laughs> exactly you, I, uh, you have permission to say it well uh um i have a joke about why there are so many autistic comedians because there's a lot of autistic there's comedians lot. yeah and my whole thing is that i think that there's a lot of autistic comedians because like regular people normies as i call them right um <laughs> the neurotypicals the neurotypicals they uh you know they go on stage they tell a bunch of jokes uh they 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 eat shit they're like oh wow i'm terrible at this <laughs> i should i should probably stop doing it but you're autistic you have no social skills you can't read social cues you get up you eat a huge dick you walk off stage you're like they love fucking me. crush that <laughs> So fucking good at this. <laughs> I might be the best person who's ever done. This is my Claire de Lune comedy. <laughs> yeah, and that's why so much open mic comedy is so incredibly terrible. I won't name any names. Because it's a bunch of retards. That yeah, don't know it's a bunch of fucking <laughs> Exactly. Well, here's the, okay. Well, I mean, just speaking of, um, just when you say you won't name any names, I had a eye opening, mind blowing, totally caught me off guard experience. Uh, the other day with someone that we talked about recently, perhaps, perhaps I don't. Maybe this person's talked about a lot. I went and watched Ian Russo oh, run okay. his hour, okay. and. Uh, shockingly like listen i'm pumping i'm pumping it up a bunch on here please god ian when you actually record it and release it do as good a job as you did in front of me so i don't look fucking crazy (laughs) but people told me it was good that went the first time and i was like there's no way and then i went and then he had a bunch of openers that i consider better comics than him and i'm like good luck following all these people that are better than you at comedy yeah then all those people kind of bombed on the they didn't bomb but they just didn't have great sets yeah maybe people were there like in an ian russo state of mind i mean i think partially and then he came out and did an hour and i was like God damn it, this was cohesive, at times hilarious, yeah. like like conversational. And like it's like he did all the things I've always told him he needs to do to like be good, like being self-deprecating, self-effacing, vulnerable and honest, wow. and not being an observational comic, with like a few key moments of observation that were shockingly astute. Really? Um, and I'm like, Ian, you are the first person I've ever seen in my life. Never do a good five minutes and do a good hour. <laughs> like it blew. <laughs> I've never and like I it, can't wait to watch it's it. It's warped. It's warped my world. It's like there's like one of my favorite episodes of Louie. Did you watch Louie back? I, in the day? I did. I loved Louie. One of my favorite episodes of Louie is this one episode where Louie's like 
hosting and guest hosting an open mic for somebody. And this kid goes, Hey, can you watch my set, please? And Louis's like, Fine. And then the guy goes up and he's just like talking about his mom, like used to beat him and stuff. And I don't uh, think I've seen this one. And afterwards, like he gets food with him and he's Louis is like, Man, this is in his head. Like, that guy's terrible. He's like, uh, How bad do you? like want to do this it's the only thing like there's nothing else for me. i'll die otherwise and louis is like fuck i guess like i don't know try a funny voice or something and then the episode ends with fallon going the next comedian uh, has been tearing the comedy scene apart put your hands together and it's that guy and he does the same exact joke from the beginning but with a funny voice and it is hilarious it's like wow. one of the most unique and i think it, I, I i think about that episode all the time and and it was like seeing Ian do his hour was like, man, you build all these preconceived notions about this person, but there yeah. is, there maybe is. There was just one missing ingredient. Like he was closer than people thought. Well, it's just weird. You'd, you'd never think like the thing that's holding someone back is that they don't have enough time on stage. <laughs> the <laughs> thing that's, the thing that's keeping them from being funny is that they're not on stage long enough. I can't wait to watch it now. I'm so like a little, I, like you, I am surprised. Um, but uh, and there's definitely an element to it of just the level of surprise that makes it more impressive because yeah. it's like I watched your special. I'm like, Jake's funny. I know Jake's funny. I expect this to be funny. And it was funny. Um, I'm like, like, like I'd say your special is funnier than Ian's for sure. Okay, um, <laughs> but uh, his is longer. His is longer. I don't know. There's just, they're they're each their own thing. And yeah. Ian's was I was not bored for the wow. hour I was sitting there. I was like I was like all right, get ready. I've sat through friends hours before that I'm like Oof. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to do an hour, man. I I like gave my whole life to crafting a perfect 30 minutes and then rewrote the second 15 in 2 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about the original last 15. What give me a joke you cut. Oh man, dude, it's it's been um a year. A year. And a mental breakdown. Yeah. Since. Um, but I had a joke about how um like I was jealous of my friends who have really good jobs just because they get to um like they they get to give a short answer when someone asks them what they do for a living. Like when you do a lot of like side gigs to support yourself, like anytime someone asks you what you do for a living, you give a you give a long answer. Oh I can't believe I'm forgetting I'm literally forgetting this bit. Um but uh yeah, like you ask someone with a good job what they do for a living, they're like, I work at Google, end of conversation. Yeah. You ask someone with a bunch of crappy jobs what they do for a living, they're like, well, um, <laughs> you mean right now? Like <laughs> like right now, right now? Gosh, what aren't I doing? Just kind of, <laughs> I'm really working on building my personal brand right now. I'm uh, working, working on an app. Sorry, working for an app. It's called Uber. <laughs> that's, that's actually why I'm here. Are you, Carlos? Hilarious. Yeah. So that's 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 great. I haven't done that bit in a long time, but um, that's great. I like that. I like that joke a lot. And uh, and well, there you it's go. Not, you got, it's you not as interesting as as a six month old baby that can carry a full conversation. That baby bit might be the highlight bit of the whole thing. Really, that was your favorite bit of the whole Maybe. thing. Maybe it was one of the most interesting. Yeah, that that was great. Good. That was great. And it's like it's like there's intrigue. You know, I'd say it's it's it's. Arguably more important to be interesting than funny. 
on oh, stage. Oh, I love that idea. I hate I hate the the when someone says something's interesting because that doesn't mean it's good. But there's a there's a great Woody Allen story. Man, all my references today, Louis C.K. You know, Harvey Weinstein once said, Harvey Weinstein had a... You know, Phil, Genghis Co- Khan once Cosby, told me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitler, Hitler had a couple of ideas that weren't so bad. <laughs> he wasn't the worst painter. Um, but uh, but you know, Woody, there's a story about Woody Allen that like when he was doing stand-up early on before he was like making movies and stuff, he did like a show and there was somebody that like he felt crushed much harder than him and he was yeah. very upset. And his agent goes like, yeah, the person got more laughs, but you were more memorable. Like people, when they think back to this, are going to think back to like some of the stories you told and things you said more than like the laughs at that person. Like, like, like Zach Stein has a bit and it's a hilarious bit um, where he talks about this real guy. Uh, named Dr. Gay Hitler, who was alive before Adolf Hitler. Like his dad, his dad, real name, this is a real person. His dad's real name. I looked it up because the story was so interesting that afterwards I had to look up to make yeah. sure this was true. My advice to Zach about the bit was like, make sure to impart that this is a real story because they're yeah. like, like, like I saw him do it once and I'm like, I don't think the audience got that this was real because it's so there's a guy named george washington hitler was his dad was his dad and he had a kid who he named gay hitler (laughs) who became who who became a who became a dentist so he essentially became dr gay hitler dr gay hitler (laughs) imagine the chip on your shoulder you would have throughout life if your name was but it was in the 20s when like you know gaylord wasn't like like uh uh negative you know karen's the new gate like in the future people are gonna be people were named karen that's a good that's actually a good point you know so gaylord like back in the day meant there's Gaylord Perry, the baseball player, like wow. like that was just a name. I feel like baseball definitely takes the cake for sport with the weirdest names. Uh, what about football? Like, like well, the, you, you racist motherfucker. No, there's a whole <laughs> Key and Peele sketch about people's yeah, names. Yeah. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. Ha ha, Clinton. Yeah, but I mean, like baseball ones, you get like <laughs> old, old Chad Chad Ochocinco. Chad Ochocinco is a wild one. I mean, he, ch- he did change his name to that. I think that, it's just like still. the the 50s had weird. There was a football player in the 50s named uh, Fran football. Crazy Legs Hirsch. Yeah, f- football. Again. Yeah, maybe football does have And also, I name. doubt Crazy Legs was his actual middle name. <laughs> no, no. that's just. Did he, they had did never he come seen out anyone. with his legs like this and his parents are like, well, well, we can't call him Crazy. We'll make Crazy Legs his middle name. <laughs> crazy Legs. I think he was just the first white person to ever juke anybody, and so they called him Crazy Legs. (laughs) Crazy Legs. They're like, he's running this way, and then he's running that way. He's got crazy legs. (laughs) Uh, But um, but uh, wait, what was I? What was I saying? Oh, so so there's like the the baby the 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 baby carrying the writing the poetry, not being able to follow a baby that does a poem, no matter how good your poem is. Is hilarious, of course. Yeah, like imagine trying to go up on a comedy show after a baby yeah. that does jokes, no matter how bad those jokes are. Right. I dare you to follow a baby. I dare Dave Chappelle to fucking follow a baby doing jokes. <laughs> I'm glad you got uh, like, yeah, there's the part where I say, uh, no matter how good you are, the audience will go home saying, yeah, I guess that second guy was good, but I didn't want to blow on his belly. <laughs> so, yeah, you know what? There were like moments. There were moments. Maybe maybe it was even that specifically. Uh, there were like moments where I felt like you said a joke that I was like. Ooh, that's like a great first draft of like of like 
a punchline that like with another two months of just running it over and over again, like the perfect punchline hits. Yeah. Cause I just know that like, for me, it's like, I'll be doing something like one of my, one of my best lines is a line that came to me so far after the fact where I was like, man, one line of this bit I'm doing isn't working. Let me try and figure something out. And then what I figured out ended up becoming the best part of the bit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it, it takes years and years and when you're not even thinking about it. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, yeah, that line that doesn't really work. Here's a better substitute. Like for I, had, it. I have a joke where I talk about how, like, I have a rich girlfriend. And uh, the way the joke started is like when we first started dating, she goes to me, she goes, listen, Josh. Sometimes I'm going to want to do things that you can't afford to do. And rather than not do them or make a whole thing about it, I'd rather just pay for us both. I hope that isn't going to be a problem. And originally I used to go like, fine. Like that was the joke. But then I changed it like because it was never that was never really land. And the rest of the bit was what I was interested in after that. Right. But you had to get that laugh. But I had to get to the, get... And then I change it and I go, um, <laughs> and I hope this isn't going to be a problem. And I just go. I will suck your dick. I will suck <laughs> your dick. And that gets like the biggest laugh of the joke. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's so... Um, and it's just like, that didn't come till months after I wrote the original version. I think the thing that's hardest for me about stand-up comedy writing is how much of it is outside of your control. Like, you can't... I can't just tell myself, I'm going to sit down for 10 hours and I'm going to get 10 jokes out of it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like, Gary so... Goldman said something really great when he was doing his Goldman tips for a year because uh, yeah. like <laughs> he was getting th this is this is my favorite sign. You're not going to make it as a comedian. Um, this isn't what Gary Goldman said, but people kept like asking him, like, oh, how do I like know when like how do I write like a good joke? Like, when do I get like the good joke? And Gary Goldman's like, you just write every day. And once in a while, you'll be writing when a good one happens. Ooh. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like throw out days throw out months of what you've written the point is you write every day because one of those days you're going to write a good joke and if you're not writing when it happens it's not going to happen that's interesting man that makes me feel guilty like i should be writing more fine you know everyone's doing their own thing but like yeah uh, but 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 it's just like you do the thing again and again and again and again and again you sit down you put yourself in the position to uh to to capture the thing if you're writing every day you'll be writing when you write a good joke yeah and that's uh, that's the sort of point you force the brain work you just gotta yeah i'd like that you just need to be writing when it happens because it really is so outside of your control people ask me how i write jokes and i honestly don't know how to answer that question because every joke i got a different way well i'll tell you like and here's the thing that like i kind of want to be forcing myself to do again but i find it hard to motivate myself like right now i'm doing a lot of things but like my first two years of comedy i said to myself i'm like josh the only thing to be concerned about is getting as good as you can get at comedy in this time. And I used to do a thing where I would be like, I'm just going to go to so many open mics every week. And I'd go at the beginning of the week and I'd have a list of like either first draft jokes, funny ideas, ideas for things I think could be jokes and stuff. And at mic one, I'd go up on stage and I'd eat shit for five minutes, just talking through the list, like trying whatever I can. Then I'd walk to another mic, listen to the recording of what I said. While I walk, like walking, they say, like walking and showering really get the endorphins running in your mind thinking. Mm -hmm. So while I'm walking and listening to it, like it's like that 
it, the, basically the best way to explain it is like, you know, when you're in a fight with someone and you're driving home and you're thinking about the fight, you're like, I should have said this. Yeah. That's kind of like what happens as you're walking to the next mm. mic. But in, instead of like <laughs> the fight's done and you don't get to have the fight anymore, you get to go to the yeah. next mic and say the thing you should have said the last time. Yeah, but and, then maybe that room is different and maybe it would have worked if you had said it in the first room, but not in the second one. Well, you just keep doing. Yeah, I, I, I don't I, know. I, know I think you I think you you know when you have a good idea. Like I know when I have a good joke and when I that's. A room's being bad, but this idea is smart and funny. Yeah. And like, I'll just keep doing it until until I find it, if I'm confident enough in something. Yeah. And then, but usually, if I did that, if I would go to four mics a day doing that for a week, by is the this end in LA, you're doing yeah. this. Oh, okay. By the end of the week, I'd have uh, I'd have a new five. Wow. Um, dude, I wish I, I write so slow until like. Obviously, until I write too fast. Well, also that I think that's also just the nature of pressures on. I mean, like, mm-hmm. like it didn't feel like pressure. Like I felt like these ideas. I mean, it was a manic break, so these ideas were just kind of flooding into my head. Well, yeah. I mean, I know for me, it's like I, 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 my entire body feels the last moment I have to start something to get it done on time. Like it yeah. knows so. A tune, and it's sometimes like I can't even start something until I feel that. And yeah. once I feel that explosion of ideas, wow. explode, and then it's like a rush, and then it's like always frustrating and stressful and anxiety inducing to like get it all out in time for whatever thing I need to do it for, but it happens. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, in large, I think that's adrenaline. That the adrenaline but pumps of this thing needs to get done. These do you think adrenaline are, like is the right chemical for creativity? I guess it can. It's it helps definitely. you focus. <laughs> it's, it's a good ingredient for focus. That's for sure. It's not going to generate the creativity if the creativity isn't already there. But well, it, but it will. Some, it'll hone it. It's the matter of uh, again. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything because it's someone I thought like it's someone I feel like I've never seen do well in my life. Somehow did an hour that impressed me. Uh, so it's <laughs> amazing, dude! I can't wait to watch his. So it's uh, so you know, it's like it's like if I hand him anything, it's like the commitment. Like he it takes a the, lot of courage to ta- keep doing something when was, everyone tells you that you're there's, bad. There's there's you watch his special, and I will say that. The one thing that really shines through is that he's obsessed. He is, he has that like undaunted, pure drive and obsession that you need. And it's like, it's like I watch someone sort of will that obsession into something. Dude, that's, um, that is the answer to your question of why do people on the spectrum do stand up so often is maybe because they have the ones who are obsessed with, with stand up are really obsessed with it. And so they, and, he also, claims he claims not on the spectrum, but I'm sure your psychiatrist <laughs> might be like, you know, there's the line Jake's out of like like the the least autistic. You're way past that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if I'm over the line, you're not the I'm, most autistic, but like between like if there was a line between Jake and the most autistic, right. you're the closest you could be to that line in the direction of most autism. <laughs> Just slightly the, over halfway there. You're the Jake Rush of halfway <laughs> between Jake Rush and the worst you could be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I think also a big part of the reason why people on the spectrum like stand-up is because I think it, it allows you to control the interaction. 
Mm. It's like because everyone craves interactions with people, but just and for you someone... get to choose if you look the audience in the eye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you get to choose what the conversation's about. You don't. And have there's to... enough distance that no one could touch your ears. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, key. That's, that's, that's comforting. What it's all about. That's comforting too. You know that no one's no one's no getting one's near those <laughs> ears. Everywhere I go, people are grabbing at my ears. You get to walk up stage. You get to be like 237 people in the definitely, definitely 237 <laughs> people in the audience. <laughs> Thank God I'm not that autistic. <laughs> or actually, you know what? Maybe my life would be easier if I was. I'm sort of in this cot in between where it's like I I, I have to fend for myself out in the world. 237 people in the audience. 152 of them have completed their two drink minimum so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun for them to be on stage like like assessing all these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And assessing you get all to these like, things. it's like an interaction that you get to totally plan <laughs> beforehand. Oh uh, man! I'm like I'm guessing. Here's the thing that I'm gonna guess: most comedians who are on the spectrum don't do a lot of crowd work. I'm guessing they do. Did Ian do crowd work? No. You see exactly. I'm guessing people that are on the spectrum when they do stand up, it's mostly written material. I mean, it, look it at my felt, special. There's not one very... bit of crowd work in my special. Yeah, but that's also your special. That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess we're having a good conversation, and you're being funny, like in the moment. Well, um, that's because I'm low, um, high functioning. High functioning, exactly. Uh, I, have a, I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. So you said um, that with this friend who does a joke about gay Hitler, when uh, when you heard it, you immediately wanted to look it up. Did you look up Kim Ung Yong after my special? I the only the, God's honest truth. The only reason I probably didn't was because I had to rush to go see John Wick for like like Ooh. I literally I literally you sent it to me with enough time for me to watch it in the exact amount of time I had before I had to leave. Okay, gotcha. So I might have, I might have if, if I hadn't. But I was like, it's all true in my mind. There was stress, but I assumed it was true. Yeah, I assumed, and also. Weird. What's funny is that weirdly, it's less believable that like a one-year-old is writing poetry than a person's name, Doctor Gay Hitler. But I questioned the one-year-old doing poetry less than I questioned Doctor Gay Hitler existing. He and was being he was the son of George Washington Hitler. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, man. Because until Doctor Gay Hitler was born, George Washington Hitler was the funniest name of all time. <laughs> it is like, how do I make sure that my son's name is funnier than? Mind. Dr. George Washington Hitler is the Del Curry of funny <laughs> <laughs> of funny of funny names. I should give Zach that that joke. That's a good bit. <laughs> you should. Um, th- had you heard that story about Daniel Day Lewis before? Uh, remind me I, about how he was in a movie, The Boxer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Was that was that an autistic? Uh, sorry, not autistic. Was that a manic episode joke? Too? Yeah, yeah, that was great. Also, yeah, I really like the Daniel Day Lewis bit. Um, Had you ever heard that fact before? That yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. Robert De Niro and Raging Bull like won prize fights. Oh, he did. <laughs> yeah, he went. He went and trained in box. He was a uh, like Daniel Day Lewis before Daniel Day Lewis. Right. Wow, um, that's crazy. That's. <laughs> it feels like yeah, some actor. He was so believable. <laughs> Those punches really. <laughs> um. What, yeah, what else did you write down? I'm, I'm curious what notes you took after seeing my special. Why? Oh, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. These, so these, so I had the autism thing. I said the, I, I watched you walk on stage with a mustache knowing that you had uh, <laughs> had a manic episode, and I was like, oh, the signs were right there. <laughs> yeah. was, it was right there before, 
right there before his eyes, underneath his nose. They all the all the evidence <laughs> we needed that a manic yeah. episode was happening. Okay, so I wanted to talk to you about the sperm donor part, which is one of the old bits, which is one of my favorite bits of yours Thank that you. I'd seen you do for a long time. I'm glad you left that one in, yeah, because um, that's a great one. Uh, and and maybe and, and it's funny even watching it. For I don't know how many t- times I've seen you do You've it. Probably seen me do I, that one a lot. I've seen you do that one a lot, and I was laughing out loud again while watching it in the special because wow. I think that bit's so good. Um, so, how much of your sperm is out there already? So, okay. So, I'll, do you do you have kids? So, I'll tell the truth. I did get a appro- I did apply. I did get approved, despite being honest about being on the spectrum. But I never actually went through with it because oh. I felt guilty. I've never admitted this because. Because I wanted people to believe the bit was real, but I I I wrote all those jokes after getting approved, but I never actually um, did it because I felt guilty. Okay, well, what 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 I was gonna say is really funny is that like if women like had had your kids already, they'd now have a bunch of kids with like bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, that's there's that's a lot the of... fucked up part of the sperm donor <laughs> thing. If you still don't quite know what you're getting, because when Jake got approved, he wasn't. He wasn't. I wasn't. No, they, they didn't know. They I was didn't bipolar. Know it was bipolar. Yeah, yet. exactly. That's but but point. I wonder still if like you went bipolar. They're like, how tall are you, Jake? Six four. They're like. I just got diagnosed with bipolar. Like, yeah, six three and under, you can't be bipolar. <laughs> yeah. Six four and above will accept bipolar. I, I remember being just so <laughs> like, I, I was honest about the fact that my grandpa on my mom's side has schizophrenia, mm-hmm. and uh, my mom has depression, and I ha- I'm on See, the. I'm not even spectrum. allowed to just be five eight. I'm five eight. I'm out. I'm out yeah, as a sperm donor. Yeah. I'm out. I'm I'm below the cutoff. I I What is the cutoff? Is it five ten? I've great SAT scores, went to a great college, no like psychological disorders, or at least no serious ones. Yeah. Um <laughs> pretty yeah. well adjusted, do well, and they're like, Yeah, but five eight. You're it's like amazing. you're like you're like you're like I'm autistic, bipolar, my <laughs> grandfather's schizophrenic, like you're six four. That's literally what it was. And you got and you got all your hair come. Come on, we we got some ladies. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> for you, I was so shocked that they accepted me despite all of the red flags. That's why I wrote those jokes. Someone said something. I forget where it was, but like they were saying, someone like made some comment, like addressed a bunch of ladies in the room, being like, "It's better to be rich than than tall." And then all the ladies like made a face, like, "No." Honestly, <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, well, yeah, I guess that's fair because you know you can get rich." That's true. <laughs> I, well, can't, if it, you, I can't apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get tall. Right. That's true. Um, trust me, I've tried. <laughs> stre- yeah, I get like stretch, get a machine well, that looked, stretches I've you out. I've looked into, I've looked into the, not, not, I haven't looked into the surgery with like sincerity, but just out of pure, pure, like incredible curiosity. I've even thought about making a documentary about this specific surgery of people who get their knees separated. And wow. then like, it's a year long process where you're wheelchair bound and it's incredibly painful. And every day you have to like, like, do this thing that really is painful, like stretch out your knee to and add how inches. much height do you? How much? I think like you can get up to six inches. Oh wow! So you can get that. So it works. It works. That's a big difference. It works. So you but can get like, that and be six two. But 
I guess I could, <laughs> but like it, it's so. I, I wrote a whole sequence into a um, into a movie I wrote of somebody getting that surgery. Oh, really? um, yeah. I'm so. I'm so. It's such a huge. Uh, That's a fascinating. Yeah, they should make like a Netflix so documentary about men that get the height surgery. Like, how desperate are you for for women's approval that you it starts out with a video? I opened the documentary with that Bagel Boss guy in New York freaking out. Of it. You remember, do you remember that guy? Uh-uh. He like there's this video of this guy he like uh free you know what this is this is this is why we have the computer we're gonna we're gonna watch the um let's watch it the bagel guy video uh I'm mute on the ad because i'm not the great why is it okay for women to say oh you're five feet on dating sites you should be dead that's okay who said that to you here nobody Women in general have said it on dating sites. You think I'm making that shit up? Everywhere I go, I get the same fucking smirk with the biting lip. Shut your mouth. You're not God or my father or my boss. I feel for this guy. I do too. He makes me so sad. This poor guy is in so much pain. Oh, totally, totally, totally. It's it's it's, it's horrible to be playing this. I feel I feel, but. But I think uh, you know. I always said I would. I would want to open the doc with this video to show the pain of being short. That'd be a great idea for a documentary: the pain of being short. But if if uh, if only you could have everything. I mean, I'm lo- I'm blessed. If this had been you instead, Jake, there would have been. He's so edgy. He's so look at how edgy this guy is. We love him. Paul, do we think that guy? Like, are we thinking he's like five two? Like, he's really small. He said five foot. Like, oh, what, five women are foot. women are telling you you should be dead. They're like, yeah, because they can't have me. <laughs> Man, um, five feet. Yeah, that would be that would be hard. I guess that's kind of an automatic. Like for women, for most women, that's an automatic no. Like he, five he, foot. Yeah. Yeah. To be five foot. Five that's, eight. Five eight's a struggle. Depending <laughs> on the girl. I mean. If you, you should just go for girls that are like five two. I, I haven't had too much trouble. Yeah. In, in recently, but but I will say that I have a whole bit about how like um how I'm politically moderate, and I'm like I'm like you know I'm a Democrat. Don't worry. I'm like trying to have a career in Hollywood and stuff. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I can't put moderate on dating apps because being honest about my politics would be just as damaging to my chances as being honest about my height. <laughs> Do you, is is there a pressure for men to lie? Like, what do you uh, five eight moderate? Sure, sure. Five six QAnon. I've been fooled before. <laughs> <laughs> five eight. It's funny because I say this. I go five eight is the height all guys who are not five eight lie about being, and I always see women in the. I go. I can't put five eight because it's the height everyone that's not five eight lies about being, and women always like start nodding their head like it's true in the audience. When really? I say it. So what uh, what height do you say you are? On well, your- so I say I, I don't put five eight, and it's like I can't put five ten because then they see me and they're like you're not 510 so you put five nine so i put nothing oh. and uh, they look in there like he's five foot for sure five <laughs> foot flat he's legally a midget <laughs> that's interesting how it has height always been this um important or is it like a modern thing like it's it well, feels- i imagine it's like caveman shit like right, you know, the taller some- people are able to protect you more right you but know? it seems like in just the last couple of years it's become so much more like talked about than it used to be well because you got these angry bagel yeah. guys getting upset that no one likes them because they're short i wonder if it's also because of dating apps. but then you know then there's the thing that now we created short king short <sighs> king is a new thing right um no this is my short king 
It's all marketing. Everything's a fucking marketing. You're the you're the show. I'm a short king. Here's the funny thing. I have I was talking about this on the my recent episode of the podcast with Bridget Sell. Uh, I have tall energy. <laughs> yeah, you do. I, I don't I don't walk around. I don't think of myself as short. It's not until I see photos of myself with people who I didn't think were tall being way taller than me. Do I notice that I'm a short? And it's funny, I've made fun of people for being short that are taller than me. <laughs> but they That's... walk around, they walk around with short energy and I assume that they're shorter than me and then we do a back to back and I find out they're actually taller than me. But I go, but but then I think to myself, nobody thinks of me as short and they do think of you as short. So you got to work on your energy, buddy. You walk around <laughs> no, with short energy. If someone asked me what height you were, I probably would have guessed 5'10". Exactly. I got five, that's, I, in fact, if I were to specifically give my energy height, it's 5'10 energy. <laughs> yeah, you have 5'10". I'm not walking around with six foot energy, but I'm walking around with five ten energy. I, I'm definitely not walking around with six four energy. I hunch. Like I gotta work on my self esteem. I probably walk around with five ten energy as well. No, you walk around you walk around with six two energy. Six two, okay. <laughs> you can only have energy two inches in one direction. Okay, well then definitely two <laughs> inches lower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm two inches and two and I slouch too. Yeah? I slouch, but I slouch like a five ten guy would slouch. Dude, I think it's like <laughs> I'm so poor that being tall doesn't even really help me that much. How are you down now? Okay, let's talk about let's talk about so poor. Uh, let's yeah. let's let's get into knit and grit because so poor can mean so many different things. Right. Like like, for example, I say like I say I'm broke, but there's a comedian who I saw do a joke. Uh, Nate McIntosh on a special I thought was great. It's like it's like if you if your parents have money you're not broke because if a phone call can solve your situation <laughs> you're not broke so so you went to USC are yeah, you I went are, to you, USC. are my, you student loan debt or do you no get, no I, so my parents used to have money oh oh they lost all their money yeah they got, paying for college well that they did put a lot into me being a theater major at USC yes. And also, Ugh, um, really, probably they look at you and they're like, <laughs> they're like you motherfucker, this fucking kid. The, yeah. the money we would have if you didn't have to fucking sing Pippin. <laughs> <laughs> they ended up uh, they got divorced when I was 26. Oh, damn. And then now both of them are like they just lost all the money in the divorce. Pretty much. They could just now agree to like split it and not lose it all. I don't know how it I, ended it's, up losing. It's expensive. I mean, I, I'm i not yeah. going through a divorce, but I'm going through a lawsuit right now that thank God I have insurance for. Wait, are you to, getting sued? Uh, well, no, I'm suing, but it's, it's a long, it's a long, it's a long story that I pretty much legally not even allowed to get okay, into, gotcha. but, but essentially my lawyers compared it to a divorce and I'm like, yeah, it does really, wow. <laughs> um, it's crazy when people's emotions get involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now my parents are not really able to help me out financially as much. So I grew up a rich kid, but now I'm a, a genuinely poor. That's adult. hard. I always described like I always described my family wealth as like can afford the worst seats to anything. <laughs> it's like we're at game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, sitting in the very back row, trying to watch the game off of binoculars through a TV in somebody's box seats. <laughs> but we're there. Yeah, yeah, that's a good place to be. I always say. I was born upper class, and then when I was in high school, my parents lost a lot of their money in, when the economy crashed, and so I was middle class, and now I'm lower class. So I've, oh, I've lived the American dream in reverse. Ken, uh, we, we can also not talk about your parents' divorce at all, I'm, I, but I could, I could ask you Yeah, questions. you could ask me. Um, what, what happened? 
My dad was on Sugar Baby websites. Oh, uh, yeah, that's going to that's gonna clean you out. That's going to do it. That's going to clean you out in the divorce. Sugar <laughs> yeah. Baby websites are going to clean you out in the divorce. I think he, lo- <laughs> he lost a lot of his money to the Sugar Babies, too, and then the rest of it to my mom. But then somehow now my mom. How is many really of those sugar babies well. were going to USC? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> how, many, yeah. how many people was your dad putting through college? <laughs> <laughs> Probably more than just me and my brother. Oh man. Yeah. They were like twenty five years old. The ones that he was seeing when when they. My dad is like sixty four. How's your post sugar babies relationship with your dad? Uh, not as close. Not as close. Not but, as close. We you, still talk about football, but still that's about, about it. But that's about that's about, about it. it. There's yeah. there's there's animosity there. Well, I don't know about animosity. It's just like changed the way i see him probably yeah I'm that, a, hopefully he doesn't see this podcast episode <laughs> <laughs> hopefully he's not one of your 200 followers um but you know well usually i gain like one or two of uh, the person on my show's parents um, <laughs> uh-oh. uh-oh and how about with your mom how did, how did it i'm actually I'm, I'm super close with my mom now i i got really close with my mom when i had my mental breakdown should mm-hmm. i explain i don't know if, uh, yeah if I'm i guess I, you, you know no, we, we have time this is actually kind of how the podcast works i bring somebody on and like i go this is what we're going to talk about today and yeah. then the audience tunes in and then 45 minutes of the podcast goes by <laughs> and we haven't gotten it to yet and they turn it off and then right then we start talking about it so yeah please please tell uh, us about the mental breakdown this is so, a great segue in a year and three weeks ago seems like you know that might have been hereditary too. There might be some hereditary. Yeah, <laughs> the sugar babies. Uh, yeah, maybe my gene. Maybe <laughs> my dad likes to shoot for go for his dreams a little too much, and maybe I do too. Um, so like a little over a year ago, I was preparing to do a comedy special that I was in, in my mind. I had built this like I was self-producing a comedy special using like I had crowdfunded money from all my friends. I had raised five thousand dollars. Um. And uh, I was going to have basically everyone that I know come see me do a 30-minute comedy set. How old are you now, by the way, Jake? I'm 29. You're 29. So okay. I was 28 so the divorce, when this happened. The divorce was three years ago. Yeah. The comedy special slash breakdown was one year ago. Yes. Okay, and now we're one year later. And um, yeah, so in the weeks leading up to it, I guess I just built it up in the, the importance of it because like, I was feeling like, oh... You know, comedy's a dead end. I can't really go anywhere doing open mics every night. I need something big to like jumpstart my career. So I was like, this comedy special is the culmination of, of my entire life is the way I built it up in my head. And I guess that kind of like, it, it gave me this feeling of feeling like I needed to rise to the occasion, like I needed to go slay a dragon. I just felt so, I felt such a sense of purpose. I was like, it's, I thought that that version of me was like the most important out of past, present and future versions of myself. Like this is the one that's going to save, that's going to redeem the past and save the future of Jake. Um, And uh, I just kind of got, had a manic episode and um, uh, you got very high. I, yes, I was smoking weed pretty frequently. Oh, I just meant I meant very high emotionally. Yes, yes, yeah, but and also, but also, and also physically. Weed, weed was exacerbating it mm-hmm. for sure, and uh, I just had all these ideas all of a sudden rush into my head, feeling like I. So I basically convinced myself that these ideas were coming from a higher power, that I was like a true artist that was channeling. Which, 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 even you know, in my I think non bipolar brain, I do sort of feel as though ideas do come from a higher power in a yeah. way in a way i think i always say you know and i think we were saying this when we were having having our meal the other day it's like when i'm directing a movie 
I'm not God. The movie's God. I'm Moses, like trying yeah, to share, channeling. trying to share the message right. of, uh, or you're Jesus, trying to share God's message, or like, like that. that that's right. what being an artist of any sort is. If you're painting, you're painting a vision sent to you by God. If you're writing a book, you're writing a story sent to you by God. And I'm not even saying this in a religious sense, but I just yeah, I just I, believe that, that... I didn't believe it in a religious sense. I wasn't like, oh, the God of the Bible. I, maybe, I, I just... just the the I guess my understanding of God, my idea of God, is just the consciousness of reality itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that that consciousness was, cha- was um, feeding me stand-up ideas. And I was like, "Oh, it's my it's my purpose to like it, th- this is happening right now, so that I can this is the stuff that I'm supposed to talk about." So I just rewrote a lot of my comedy special. I mean, I rewrote a lot of my half hour in the two weeks before my comedy special. It ended up going pretty well, still. Um, yeah, you sold it to eight hundred pound gorilla. Yes. They don't just take anybody's special. Yeah, yeah, uh, and they're releasing it. I, I liked. Did they do the graphics? Did you do the graphics? I, I did everything. So, so okay. So after, yeah, back to the timeline. After I did my special, pretty like the next day at noon, the flip side of the bipolar showed up, uh, and I got really, really depressed the day after. Which my I also special. think would make sense. I mean, having worked on big projects myself, I, I literally when I'm. When I know that a big project's coming to an end, I talk to my therapist. I go, get ready for me to hit a wall and be depressed that, like, you know, I got to the high point and now I'm at the bottom of a mountain again. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that hit me really hard. And then I had to... So And then I was depressed for, like, months. Like, uh, how long? It must have been... Now, how depressed? Like, like what was... Like, like give me an example of, like... Like, suicidal what, thoughts. Suicide. Su- like, what... No, no suicidal plans. Can I? But, can but I? Fantasies. Yeah. Can I? Can I? I, I is, this, is this like a safe thing to inquire about? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, I'm, like, I'm an open book. Like, what are suicidal thoughts? I guess just like fantasies of killing yourself that just run through your head and you. Now, think what's that, the fantasy? Like, like, can you describe? Yeah, like, like bu- buying a gun from the gun store, driving to the beach, and looking out over the ocean while I blow my brains out. <laughs> but like, is like, is the fantasy like go beyond that? Does it go to like how people like the funeral think about that, or or like, or like, is it is it just the moment of doing it that feels like a fantasy? Is it the fantasy of everything being done with finally? Yeah, I think yeah. Like no more stress, no more no more things you have to I do. I think that the the convenient thing about a suicidal fantasy is it it relieves you from the pressure of having to worry about your future. Hmm. I think that like when when I was having suicidal thoughts the most would be when I was having these ideas of like oh my gosh I see my life set out for me and it's going to be miserable and all of a sudden all those fears and would go away and I was like well I'll just kill myself you can, you're convinced that's going to be your life yeah that that convinced these, that, that, that's the that way I feel no. in those moments is I'm convinced see it's like the opposite I, mean, I keep getting convinced that my future is going to be so fucking great and then and then <laughs> it keeps not happening. <laughs> I think I felt that way for a long time and then when I realized I, I I don't know for some reason it just switched after my special even though the special went well somehow it just um totally flipped and uh, I all of a sudden was like oh my gosh my life is so hard it's always going to be hard I'm always going to feel lonely I'm always going to feel isolated I'm always going to feel overwhelmed with daily tasks I'm never going to be good at a job I'm never going to be famous as a comedian um <laughs> Well, you know, I think, you know, to me, 
I think a big problem is a lot of people view, like maybe in a certain sense, you're viewing life as a drive. You're viewing life, life as like, like I'm at point A and I'm going to drive myself to point B and it's like, and then you get to a certain place and the a bridge is blown up and you can't get across it. And yeah. there goes your trip. And uh, whereas I sort of try to think of it more like, like surfing where you're like on a surfboard and there's a wave and you want to get somewhere, but you're going to have a good time. Kind of, <laughs> you got you got to try and have a good it's time. It's not about the kind of, kind of whatever, whatever, you know, type of wave gets in your way and you got to just try and try your best to ride it and you get knocked off, you get back on yeah um exactly and i think i think yeah i think also when people get like when people focus too hard on the big end result as opposed to the way there too it's like it's like it's like i don't know i know that i personally succeed much more when i think about like recording a podcast with jake not having a podcast on the internet that has thousands of views or millions of views right. and is getting me spots. If I just think of like having Jay come over and recording it, and then the next thing I think is like editing that, and then the next thing I think is posting that, and like it's like on the step by step way, it becomes yeah, so much. You're focused more on the present. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, and Power and, Now was very helpful. Oh, wow. Uh, when I read it, I was like, at the time, I was like really lamenting this like failed relationship I had and then I read the book and I started instead focusing my attention onto what she's doing right now um under what she's doing right yeah, now yeah it was a joke <laughs> <laughs> okay now I get it um yeah. it's focus, a joke from my act what she's doing right now. <laughs> that's actually a really good bit <laughs> thank I don't you know, I was you. slow to that one yeah, yeah, yeah. I really I, I baked it in that's something my dad loves to do is is just throw an absurd joke into something that seems like he's having a serious conversation with you really it <laughs> <Just laughs> drives me in fucking there. nuts yeah my, my dad just likes to do very corny dad jokes like puns all mm -hmm. the time which are just they just drive me up the wall um, well, what was the website he was on again? I think it was literally called sugarbabies.com. Sugarbabies.com. Yeah. So is sugarbabies.com, is it just where he just gives money to girls for like nothing? And no, like they go on dates and stuff. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people who get off on the fetish of like literally just giving women money. Yeah, man. I wish that. Do you think that, 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 that would have been more palatable? If he was just giving them money and not going on dates with them, that would have been a little bit more palatable. Do you think he could have as opposed to like survived? trying to pretend to be their boy? He was gonna like meet one of their moms, like as as the boyfriend. Oof. Yeah, um, she was twenty five, and he was like he was sixty two. Damn, damn! This episode is getting wild. I'm 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 pulling in some fucking views on this yeah, one. Yeah, you can see where I get you can see where I get my delusional side from. Um, oh man. But yeah, so to get back to my timeline. And I imagine that your mother is also a very attractive woman. You got like you seem like someone who has good genes. I all got the a way hot around. mom, guys. <laughs> if, if there's any men between fifty-five and seventy who are looking for a hot sixty-year-old woman, my mom is available. Nice. Yeah. Nice. What about men that are like thirty-eight? <laughs> <laughs> what they, if I was your dad, Jake? That would be very we, weird. We could talk about football. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's your team? 
Uh, I'm a college football guy, so my team is uh, USC. I hate college. You oh, hate college makes, football. That makes sense because you went to USC. I, also, I went to NYU. Okay, um, so yeah, they've got a great program over there. <laughs> well, I, I I have a whole bit about how I don't like college sports, and my main reason that I don't like college sports is like I'm very like obsessed with the best, and I want to watch the best. And oh, only I bet you liked and the, only, when I talked about that in my special then about like being the best at something. Yeah, yeah. Remind me where, where I say like it, it, you. Um, is this in the Daniel Day Lewis part? No, no. Well, before that, when I talk about how because society is so big, it's impossible to be the best at anything anymore. For the most part, but then you got like LeBron James. Yeah, exactly. Just, That's what I'm talking. That's why I say like those people who actually are one in seven billion at something are not like us. Is that what leads into the baby thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, anyway, you're obsessed with the best. Yeah, but, I, but as like, am I. like like only one less than one percent of college athletes make it into professional sports and I'm already watching the Dolphins like you're a bunch of bums <laughs> <laughs> so it's like how am I going to watch like teams of people that can't even make the Dolphins <laughs> yeah, fair play enough. when I when I can't even like when I, you know, I, I my day is ruined by the top one I watch Russell Westbrook I'm like you fucking suck Westbrook <laughs> you, like... you're a bum <laughs> meanwhile so, yeah, he's, one of, the, watch he's one of the top 70 players of all time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Like, like it's got to be stressful having accomplished <laughs> as much as he has, and you, still people criticize you when it's like when you mess up. Well, it's so crazy to me. It's, 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 yeah, it's insane. It's insane to me the amount Skip Bayless tweets about LeBron James. Skip Bayless, dude. Skip Bayless is an idiot. Yeah, I don't understand so, why he's famous. Because he's a troll, and we live in a troll world. And it's like, yeah. it's like there's a couple ways to be famous. You can be good at something or you can be you could be the you could be the best at something the worst at something or a fucking troll and uh skip bayless is in the troll skip bayless is two of those three yeah he's uh the best troll yeah that's the best he's the donald trump of sports media that's a good point he is he's just motivated by pure confidence it's amazing to me when there are people who are totally incompetent that um is Make it? it to the top of society. Donald Trump being the best example. Donald Trump was a, I mean, granted, he got a lot of money from his dad, yada, yada. But he was a billionaire, a reality TV star, and the president of the United States. On paper, that's the most successful human of the modern world. <laughs> On paper. And he's an idiot. That like Donald Trump proves better than any other individual in history how far you can get with just nothing but confidence. I don't even know if I agree that he is an idiot. I think in certain regards, but I, right. I you in know, ways, I, like, like I think in certain idiot. ways, I think in certain ways he's extremely smart. Um, he's a brilliant, not in a, yeah. not in a way like the type of smart I want my president to be, <laughs> right? But like he definitely knows how to tap into a certain like he purposefully and understandingly taps into certain ideas. Well, I think a that, lot of the like, people that are, that are he's very. <laughs> it's. It's a very weird thing to say, but I think I think that Donald Trump has a very strangely high emotional intelligence that he uses like a sociopath. Well, yeah, you have to have an you have to have a high EQ in order to be manipulative. And he has a very high. He knows that's actually a good point. He probably does have a very high EQ if like he's he, able because he knows how to either that or maybe he was just he just surrounded himself with really 
intelligent strategists that just used See, his. I don't even think it's that because he goes so off. He goes so off what they tell him all the time. Right. He always thinks he's right, and to a certain degree, he always is when it comes to this one. So when he knows how to win over him. his constituency, for sure. I mean, like, man, the Donald Trump story, if it weren't real, would be the best. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it would be. It would be fascinating. And once enough time has passed, where it's not as much like pain when people remember him, I like. I think that I, mean, I heard one person say at one point that like a thousand years from now, the three U.S. presidents that will be studied in history books will be George Washington, Abraham Lincoln and Donald Trump. Because, in a, like, who are the most studied Roman emperors? It's Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar and Nero. Well, or, yeah, but but wouldn't Trump really be Caligula? Trump would be more like Caligula. Yeah, the one that made his horse a senator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was Caligula. <laughs> uh, I love, I love. Um, see, Albert see, you Camus wrote, wrote uh, well, because I'm a huge Albert Camus uh, fan, okay. and he wrote a play about Caligula that I always thought was really brilliant. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess Marcus Aurelius is pretty popular, too. Yeah, he's a pretty big one. He's a gladiator. <laughs> yeah, he's famous because of gladiator. You got the gladiator and bump. You get Commodus. <laughs> you get Wait, was it Commodus that made his horse a senator or was it Caligula? I think it was Caligula. I think it was Caligula. But still, you remember the bad ones. Yeah. And I think that people will probably remember Donald Trump as perhaps being a sign of, of the unraveling Well, something of I used to say to people, like when people get upset about comparing Trump to Hitler, I go, you're not Hitler until you are Hitler. Like, that's mm -hmm. the thing. You don't want, you don't want, yeah, yeah. He's not as he, bad as, that's crazy to say that Trump not, is as bad as Hitler. He's not until he is. If you, like, put it this way, if you brought down the U.S. empire from within, if you sent, if you started a nuclear war, like for... You know, he, he talked about, like, nuking a hurricane. <laughs> imagine, would, like, imagine causing the destruction of the world. Yeah, the history books don't look down on you because there is no more history. It's over. Dude, um, could you imagine if he had nuked a hurricane? What if it worked? <laughs> you know, honestly, if it worked, that'd almost be worse because they would only further now, codify yeah. his confidence he in himself. He would feel like a god if yeah, he had done yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Totally, totally. I mean, it, there's someone did say that that Donald Trump's presidency feels feels someone like 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 you're playing The Sims, and then someone hits the Trump button, and you're like, "Fuck you! Yeah, you <laughs> ruined it! God damn it!" Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so I <laughs> to get back to what we first of all is Trump running again in 2024? Of course. Oh wow, dude! If he wins, that would be fucking nuts. <laughs> wins from prison. Uh, who knows what's going? On? The world is pure. It's, it's pure chaos. Pure man. chaos. It's anybody's guess. What's and gonna and happen. he, he really. I, I, I say this thing. It's like, um, I remember during the RNC DNC of uh, the past election. Well, first yeah. off, I say when Obama won, like the best thing about Obama wasn't even necessarily his presidency, but like afterwards, like whether whether you even like people like AOC or Ilan Omar or stuff, it's like he sent a message that you can sort of be any type of person and do this. And like yeah. all these different types of people started coming out that like, like his message, like you work hard, you're diligent, you speak to people about the things that they care about. You can rise up to this. And then you had people who really seem to at least care about people trying to rise up. Whereas Trump's message is the exact opposite. And like I remember during the oh. DNC and the RNC, there was this kid at the DNC who had a stutter that gave a speech about how 
you know, seeing Joe Biden become vice president meant so much to him to see somebody with a stutter like rise to that thing because he has the stutter. Then you cut to the RNC and there was like that kid, that smarmy kid who like did that shitty smile in the face of the indigenous people. Like, do you remember oh, that yeah, kid? Yeah. And like he gave the speech. He's like, Donald Trump showed me that a piece of shit like me <laughs> can become president if I want to. It's like, Dude. it's like, it's like, God damn, just like, like. We've had our fair share of of fucking assholes be president, uh, but but none 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 no no none bigger quite, asshole no bigger. And asshole. I think my my point about Trump is like you're not Hitler until you are Hitler. Yeah, and like like like, <laughs> you know, and he's not Hitler, but he is. An you're idiot. you're Hitler once people start going. They're like Trump. They're like Trump. This person. <laughs> they're <laughs> worse be- than Trump. They're the yeah. next Trump. Right. When you exactly. start hearing that, then they're when we stop talking about Hitler and we start comparing to. <laughs> right. He was he. It looks for a little while like he was going to be. I think maybe worse than he was. Well, I think him losing in 2020 was was very was, fortuitous. Was, was the thing like was the difference? Do, do, mm-hmm. Does this does American democracy fall with him becoming president again and never leaving? And what's um, amazing is how many people would say because he lost, that's why American democracy is going to fall. Like his fans are 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 so sure that he's the only thing that stands well, between so America and destruction. I have a friend who claims to have not voted for him. Uh, definitely didn't vote for him the first time around because I filled out his ballot for him and mailed it in. Ooh. Not not like like under he's like yeah you, you just fill it out for me whatever you say because yeah. because he votes in Florida um, okay so I was like yeah I was like the day before I'm like you haven't voted he's like no but what I'm like no you're voting we need <laughs> yeah yeah but um but when but after Trump won in 2016 he just like was very laissez faire about it he's like oh. I used to have a joke about him because he kept wanting us to watch this movie called Come and See which is like about uh, the Russian atrocities during World War Two, oh. and uh, but against, you, like, going against jump, two, who did the Russians? Commit? No, no, no. It was the 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 German atrocities to the Russians oh, during gotcha. World War Two. Yeah, uh, and he'd be like, um, and I used to have a joke because he was going to jog. He'd be like, Ah, oh, Trump's throwing Muslims into death camps. I'm going to go on a jog. Come and see when I get back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then after Biden won, he was like, I'm just worried about the world. Just worried about the- really, dude. Sounds <laughs> like, like you so- may have voted. I'm like, for it Trump. sounds like you voted for. He's like, no, I didn't. It's just you know, just I, uh, I just see things like in a way. I just feel like I'm seeing things deeper than you. And I'm like, I think you're just a fucking asshole, <laughs> dude. I don't see. Yeah, I, I don't think it matters. I mean, it does matter who wins, but I think um, society would disintegrate a lot faster if Trump was the one in charge. Yes. Um, but anyway, before we run out of time, the to finish my timeline, I after my special. I um. You really want to tell people how fucking crazy? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm gonna send you back into a depression if I don't let you get through it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, go on, go on, go on. I so yeah, I got super depressed, and then I had to edit the special during my depression, which was the most difficult part of the whole process. That took about four months. Um, and then at the end of that, I was so like in such a bad place that I had to get myself checked in to a uh, non-residential mental health care facility called Awakenings. Oh, so you didn't live there. No, you just I did not went live. in every day. Yeah, I just went in. It was um 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. No, you know, it was 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day. Did you like it being non-residential? Yeah, I did. You preferred? I lived with my mom. You lived with your mom. Okay, yeah. so she kept an eye on you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Was she very worried? She was pretty worried about me for a little but but she 
we all felt better once I was in my once I was in the facility. Okay. Like it felt like a sense of security. Mm-hmm. Um and uh I was there for four months, did a lot of meditating and yoga and journaling and therapy and um and now he's not a sex addict anymore. <laughs> now he's not a sex criminal. Now I'm not on sugarbabies.com anymore. <laughs> um, it would be if I was as a 29 year old. If I was going for sugar babies, it would have to be actual babies. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I'll cut that out of the episode <laughs> for you. <laughs> but but only baby poets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Little baby poets. Um, I, I love one and a half year olds wise beyond its years. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for people to see that bit so they know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody watch overwhelmingly neutral on 800 pound gorilla on YouTube in early June. So how do you feel? So, so how do you feel now? Like, do you feel so, good? Yeah, so do you feel I, balanced? Do you feel level? Like, like yeah, I'm still living out in Agora. Like, cause I'm not living at my mom's house cause she has to rent out every single one of the rooms. Any, I can't live with her anymore because she has to rent out every room for to renters because she needs money that bad. So um, I'm renting out a room in a guy's house in uh, Agora. He um, he is a 50 year old puppeteer. This guy who I'm living with. You want to sublet a room in my place for August and or for April and May? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can do April, but I could probably do May. All right, we can talk about it. We'll yeah, we'll talk about it, talk about it after, after this. Um, um, yeah. So, uh, um, he has a parrot, um, a sixty-six-year-old parrot. What? Oh, I guess parrots do. Yeah, live parrots long. live to be really long. They it, the parrot used to be able to talk, but it can't anymore because it had a stroke. <laughs> Just keeping it alive. I don't understand people that keep their animals alive. Yeah, this this thing this thing is is I fucking, waiting to I die. I fucking love my cats, but you know, the second I see a thousand dollar plus bill for something, it's like nope. bye it's bye like, kitty. Yeah, get a new one. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Uh, then the next so thing I, that the next thing that relies on me for food will love me just as much as you did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a really evil laugh too. On top of it, <laughs> you got a good but, evil laugh. <laughs> I would do that too, but it would probably make me cough. I have really bad <laughs> asthma as well as autism yeah. and bipolar. But they still want your sperm. But they Jake. still wanted my they'll sperm. Still, Go they'll figure. still take your and sperm. And I was honest too. I was honest about everything and they still wanted it. That's why I was baffled enough to write those jokes. He has AIDS and they're like, we'll still take your sperm. <laughs> yeah, we'll take. Yeah. I'm sorry. I actually have Down syndrome. Full I hope bl- that's not going to be Full blown AIDS. He's got full, full, bl- not even HIV, like straight up. <laughs> Severe debilitating AIDS. They still found, donate blood. They found like little yeah they found like little spots of blood in the sperm too like well, well we, we got a home for this i walked in i'm like i'm five eight they're like get the get the fuck out of here you fucking piece of shit five foot eight motherfucker <laughs> i have tall energy you got yeah that's all that you need that's in your dna too <laughs> uh jake uh man this was such a fun episode yes um, yes it was I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you're doing better. Yeah. I'm doing Are you? A lot do you better. feel worried? Do you feel worried about like having a breakdown again? No. I mean, I'm medicated now. Um, I'm on a mood stabilizer, which is helpful, and uh, I'm. I learned a lot. What's I'm the meditating mood stabilizer now. called? Uh, Lamictal. Lamictal. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and uh, I'm just. I have more perspective now. Now that I've been through it, I, I can recognize the warning signs and mitigate them as need be. 
That's great, Jake. We're, we're uh, the special's great. Check it out. Oh, the last thing I wanted to say, I wanted to say like a really positive thing because when we had lunch the other day, you were saying a thing about not wanting to be, you know, in front of the camera anymore and just wanting to be a writer and feeling like you're more of a writer than a comedian. I thought you had great stage presence in the special. I was Thanks, like, I, I was like, I disagree that Jake shouldn't be on stage performing. You deliver your jokes really well. Uh, Thank you. I thought you were, and you know, it's like, it's like. <laughs> Flaunted if you got it. Yeah. Jake Rush, guys. Check out his special. One more time, the name. Uh, overwhelmingly Neutral. Overwhelmingly Neutral. It's uh, going to be on YouTube, on the YouTube channel 800 Pound Gorilla. Check jealous. out that channel. Uh, lots and, of great specials coming out on 800 Pound Gorilla, including more Burks. Uh, we also got Jackson Banks' special coming out on oh, 800 Pound Gorilla, too. Wow. Uh, they're all coming out in the near future. Check all of them out. They're all going to be great. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I'll have one on 800 Pound Gorilla Dude, that'd be so point. sick. Uh, thank sure you so you much will. for tuning in to the Drew Rogaine experience, and uh, I'll release the next episode whenever I do. Bye. Mwah.